When you look good, you feel good. Uh-huh. That's the only way I feel you should. You know? Coulda, woulda, never did it for you. Gotta do it for the love. love. Do it for the culture. Culture. Feel it in your soul, life like a roller coaster. Got its ups and its downs, but you gotta keep going. Keep going. Don't stop when you still got motion. Nah. Stay dedicated, daily devotion. Hello, welcome to the Food Code. Hopefully you're liking our new music. I like it. I like it. It's catchy. It is. I want to listen to the whole song. I know. I really need some new music vibes for my workouts. Okay. So I'll send you in my Dana Lynn Bailey app, which I'm loving, seven bucks a month, great programming. She's got all of her Spotify playlists that she shares. I've been listening. So Beck and I are kind of doing this challenge together that we've talked about. I've been having to dual purpose my time, 45 of study with uh, movement. So I'm either walking on my treadmill and studying or if I'm at the gym, I've been listening to that Dutch course that I yep. was just getting through. Cause I also want to get another free Dutch. I know me too. Um, but <clears throat> when I go back to listening to music, I will let you know, but I, I can send some of the, sometimes I songs. just need, yeah, I need music. I, I will listen to some podcasts when I lift sometimes, but sometimes I just need music. Um, so yeah. Do you know I'm those like people- music in the car? I need music in the car, oh. especially with Marcus. Yeah. Agreed. Because he mimics Andy Frisella, and which isn't a great thing because Andy Frisella no, does not a good thing. Share some, I mean, not a bad thing. No, no, but, but for like four years old, frequently. you probably shouldn't be saying. Yeah, well, that's what Carson does um, recently more than usual. Like because they think it's funny. Yeah, I know. The other night, Alexa went off. The timer for Alexa went off, and he didn't like that. He didn't hear it. And I guess when he got up to the bedroom, um, Nick was putting him to bed, and he goes, "Fucking Alexa." <laughs> I mean, at least you used it right. <laughs> oh God. Uh, yeah. So funny between shit and it's for Marcus. It's freaking because white chicks told you yeah. how he like got onto that kick of white yeah. chicks. And I was like, okay, but you know, and I know why you're saying freaking and we're not going to be saying this anymore. So clean it up. He is warned. I will put soap in my child's mouth. Oh, my I mom did it to me mouth. and I didn't do it again. Yep. I had soap in the mouth. Yep. But the problem is I don't have any soap bars. True. So. I think we have some. I could probably do it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I just vividly remember my mom like chasing me around the house with the soap bar. Oh, I remember my mom locked me in the bathroom downstairs. I told her I hated her and I was being a real big, you know what? And so it was like the corner bathroom. There's no place to go. There's only one way out of that room even. So I got the soap. We are that old. The probably dollar store soap. Oh yeah, that was horrible. Yeah, absolutely. she just rolled it around a few times, uh-huh. basically. Uh huh. Yeah, um, I'm sure someone would like arrest someone for child abuse now if we tried to do that, which is ridiculous. For soap in the mouth. No, really? what I'm saying is like how sensitive our world has become. It's a problem. Well, then what are you supposed to do? Right? How are you want to you want to discipline your child? That is why I actually really liked that Netflix movie. Um, Oh gosh, it was the good dads, old dads, old oh, I don't dads. Know. But my sister told me about a show that I need to get and I want to watch. It's all about different discipline styles. Ooh. So we were talking at her house because I do the one, two, three. And yeah. Marcus, I've been doing this and Art didn't think that it was like helpful or effective it when he was little, but he, Taylor. oh, he, he listens. Uh-huh. He'll push his boundaries, but he listens and he knows. Mm-hmm. So that, because other moms have been like, how did you do that? And I'm like, I've been doing this so, since he was little. So my sister, she's a teacher. She was explaining that 
you know, different parent or different parenting styles, like no matter what you do, you need to just be consistent within the family, but also starting from when they're little. Cause if you start it when they're like four or five, it's not going to be effective. Right. So my nephew, he does a choice. You do a or B. Yep. Uh, and so anyway, she said that this is, uh, like four or five different families where they kind of go through the different huh. scenarios. Um, I really want to watch it because I'm very interested. She said there's some things in there uh, too about like a home intruder, which mm. I want to see because right now we have a, like told Marcus, I don't know if you guys have seen, but there's people that are going around acting like they're like FedEx and oh. then breaking into people's homes. Um, it's been on the news a few times. And so we've told Marcus no matter what at all costs, because he's friendly, right? He sees the mailman. He sees the whatever Amazon delivery oh, guy. Yeah. Well, Amazon delivery is now also coming in. We've had, you know, different cars like Uber in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. We've also had, um, there is, it's a rental car van, but it's Amazon that's delivering. Yep. So anyways, we're just, from a safety perspective, you never open the door. I don't care what is going on. I don't care who it is unless it's Baba, right? Or we probably need to do that because our neighbors often, like the neighborhood kids will often come to our house and knock on the door. Um, So I just need to tell them like, you can see through our door. Like we have glass and it's not completely see-through, but like you can tell. So I just need to definitely make that yeah. note. But anyways, yeah. I want to watch that show because the reality is you need to discipline. I believe in disciplining your children. Then uh-huh. the Bible preaches that you discipline your children. Oh, absolutely. And this is one thing that I've you know even said to Art is like talking with the young group, you know, family at church, uh, maybe doing like a series on that. It's like, what are the right ways to discipline? Because yeah. they're also little and we have to remember, like I have to remember that, he doesn't understand anything and it's not, it's, it's innocent most of the time. Absolutely. Sometimes it's definitely not because he's smart and he knows what he's doing and he's very, can be very, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And there's like, I, so I volunteer in the kids room at church. It's really challenging sometimes because some of those kids, I work in the four and five year olds, mm. three, three to five year olds, sorry, three, four and five year olds, mostly three and four year olds. Um, it's really hard because I want to discipline some of these kids. But obviously, like, I'm with them for an hour. You know, I'm not going to make a huge impact in terms of, like, their full-blown discipline. Um, And I don't need them going home and telling their parents that, like, she grabbed me or, you know, whatever. Oh, right. But um, it's really challenging because some of these kids do not listen. They literally, like, we do a seven-minute video about the lesson for the day, and then we usually do activities. The fact that these kids cannot sit still for seven minutes or listen or stay any type of attention span – it gets really challenging because then one kid goes and is like, I'm not going to listen. I'm going to go over by the toys and play with the toys. And then all the other kids are like, well, I'm not listening. And so, yeah, yeah. it's uh, and I have some of these people, these kids like talk back at four. And like, are you allowed to talk to their parents afterwards? I, I mention it to some of the parents sometimes. If it's like a consistent thing, when the parents come in, I'll be like, we had kind of a tough day. He was struggling to listen and distracting some of the other kids. And so like, I just let them know that I leave it at that. Um, unless there's like a real big problem. Like one kid, we had pipe cleaners one day and he was popping all of the balloons in the room with the pipe cleaner after I told him multiple times to stop. And so I told his parents, I was like, he was really challenging today because also I'm a volunteer. Like right. they are not paying me to help with their kids. Right. They, it is so that they can go and watch church in peace. Like, right. so, you know, um, Anyways, uh, yeah. And all kids are different, right? Like Carson's absolutely the, I can give him a choice. Taylor is one, two, like very stern. And I sometimes, Taylor will not listen unless you yell at her. And so unfortunately, sometimes I have to yell at her, but you know, it is what it is. Um, so we're going to do a little mashup today. 
we are going to touch on a few different topics um, briefly, kind of like broad overview, because these are each topics that we could easily go very deep into. Um, but we're going to keep them kind of high level for you guys and hopefully touch on some things that are interesting. To yeah. Through. Yeah. I'm excited. Let's dive in. Yeah. So how to couple questions on Instagram about methane SIBO. And it's a little bit too much of a topic to cover just in stories. So we wanted to talk um, just very high level about the fact that methane SIBO is kind of its own beast. Okay. So it's actually um, intestinal methanogen overgrowth. So it's not really bacteria. Um, it's actually a single cell organism that's archaea and it produces gases. Um, and it doesn't just reside in the small intestine. It can reside in the large intestine as well. So we can have absolutely a bacterial overgrowth, which produces hydrogen gas, but then that also feeds archaea, which produces methane gas. Um, and so it's a little bit dom- different than uh, hydrogen um, dominant SIBO. And this can result you know, in similar symptoms um, in terms of like constipation, bloating and gas, unexplained weight gain, you know, various things like that. But the way that you are going to address it is a little bit different. Um, the other thing that we look at here in terms of methanogens and weight is that higher levels of breath methane are also linked with obesity. So this is thought to occur for a few different reasons. So first, archaea have been shown to affect the amount of calories your body absorbs by increasing the capacity of gut bacteria to digest specific lichens. The more calories your body can absorb, the more weight you're obviously going to gain. Second, there's been different studies that have demonstrated that methane gas slows small intestinal transit time. So that contributes to you know increased weight because the stool is sitting uh, in the colon and then you are you know, basically getting more energy extraction from those meals. And I think this is something that um, people will try to starve themselves out of, like try to just diet yeah. even more. Um, and that can actually make things worse. So if you are somebody who's struggled with SIBO, you know that there's a few ways to kind of identify the differences here. Um, very commonly, we're going to use a breath test um, alongside a stool analysis. So on the GI map that we use and some other ones that um, you know we like, you can kind of get a trend to say, hey, this is SIBO. Uh, but in terms of methane SIBO, you would certainly want to look at you know a breath test to yep. see what levels of the gases um, are there. And so <clears throat> this is just one thing that, you know, it's kind of always going to follow a similar um, eradication or gut healing protocol, but there's just going to be different diet considerations essentially. And so that's what we do with our clients. We customize all of that. Now, one thing that I have seen a lot of people making a mistake of lately is prebiotics, probiotics um, too early on. I like to get most of my SIBO cases through, like I'll use SAC-B um, if I'm pulsing them, but I like to get them through the majority of their herbal antimicrobials, um, you know, diet, reintroduction of things. And then we start to repopulate the good bacteria because SIBO is actually not um, too much of opportunistic bacteria, bad bacteria. It is just too much bacteria in the small intestine in general, good and opportunistic. Yeah. It can be good and bad. Um, And a lot of people know to go like low FODMAP, that's their go-to, but that isn't always a great option. It can be an initial option to help calm down symptoms. Um, But if you are removing FODMAPs, you're removing a lot of fiber. 
Um, and it's important to actually increase fiber and polyphenols and do it as much as it can be tolerated because it's going to improve motility. It's going to improve methane reduction. Um, so, you know, things like flax seeds, berries, brown rice, quinoa, green tea, nuts and seeds that are a little bit better tolerated comparatively to like broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cauliflower, kale, um, really fibrous vegetables that can be hard on people with SIBO. Um, and then, you know, fat and protein sources. So some people do reduce a small amount of carbohydrates when they're trying to manage SIBO because, again, carbohydrates tend to be a little bit easier fermented. Um, and so then they're taking in a lot more like proteins and fats. Uh, but too much fat can increase what are called lipopolysaccharides, which are basically um, the endotoxins released by bacteria and they can promote inflammation. So we don't, you know, again, you have to find the right balance, uh, and that can be different for everyone in terms of digestion. Um, and then, like Liz was saying, using certain herbal eradications, antimicrobials. Um, com- we we usually use multiple combinations of antimicrobials to address gut eradication, um, and you know, rotate them because a lot of times you will adapt and become resistant to them. It's not something that I would recommend people do on their own, um, but it is something that is necessary usually with SIBO because it has become, and the bigger part underlying SIBO is again, the immune system. Like why has the SIBO been able to develop? Um, also what's going on upstream. Yep. HPA axis dysfunction, all kinds of things, uh, stomach acid levels. So a lot of times I see, this is just clinical experience. Um, parasites come alongside SIBO. People will do SIBO, uh, eradication, you know, antimicrobials and no one ever thinks to address, okay, for example, ileocecum valve, right? If that is irritated, if it's open, that's a reason why bacteria from the large intestines backing up into the small intestine, parasites can aggravate that food sensitivities can aggravate that and open that up. So there's different ways that you can do manual manipulation for that as well, which I actually have um, on my Instagram but I think that it's really important to also recognize that if you don't have a biofilm disruptor in place, you're missing a big piece of the puzzle. It's estimated 80% of bacterial infections, possibly higher in terms of the archaea infections, involve biofilms. This, these are kind of fortresses or colonies of microorganisms that are protected by an extracellular matrix. So that fortress kind of builds around the bacteria um, and it makes a protective home which makes the infection up to a thousand times more resistant to antibiotic therapies and more difficult to kill. Mm-hmm. So typically I'm running two to three eradicators and a biofilm disruptor at the same time. Like you're hitting it hard because you want to get in, get out, get done. Yep. Right. Like a lot of people, uh, I know in terms of SIBO have done some of the antibiotic treatments like rifaximin or whatnot, and they feel great when they're on it, but then they come off of it. They don't feel great anymore. Things come back. You didn't get to it. Right. Um, And so that's really important. And then down the line in different phases, we start to bring pre and probiotics in and digestive supports because you don't want to miss the healing and sealing phase. And then again, thinking about why this was allowed to happen, supporting um, stomach acid to make sure that's nice and robust. Um, We've talked about this before, but apple cider vinegar, betaine HCL, digestive enzymes with a little bit of betaine HCL, you know, all those things can be helpful. But you miss a big piece of the puzzle if you're not doing this stomach acid tolerance test and building your levels of stomach acid up because 
that's why a lot of these bacteria overgrow in the first place. You basically just open the door and say, hey, come on in. We're not, you know, robust enough to kill you the way that we should be able to. And so they set up shop and then that's what causes these overgrowths. And then the immune system again, yes, is um, overactive because it's trying to fight these things. It, it eventually gets worn out, right? You mm-hmm. lose your defenses. So there, there's, you know, just some things that are a little bit different um, with kind of the different types of SIBO. So we just wanted to cover that today. Um, and hopefully that helps you. If you're somebody who's dealing with SIBO, methane, hydrogen, you don't really know. Maybe your doctor said, I think this is SIBO. Um, and you need help. You know where to find us. Uh, I think long-term it's important to recognize that things unaddressed in the gut microbiome can lead to other chronic infections, autoimmune disease, thyroid issues, hormonal imbalances, lazy bowel, slow motility, liver issues, a variety of things. Mm-hmm. And so your body, when it's sending you signals, is doing it for a reason. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of the immune system and being able to get rid of things, a lot of people have heard and ask about mold. Um, mold, I feel like, has kind of gained traction in the functional world and um, for good reason. I think that it's a problem. I think it's and we had obviously a mold expert on the podcast not too long ago. Um, it's becoming more prominent in houses, uh, new construction, especially because of how houses are built. Uh, it's becoming more common and our immune systems are becoming weaker and weaker, unfortunately with types of foods that we consume and, um, you know, what's in food these days and the stress in our day to day. And so the thing I I wanted to briefly discuss mold and how it works within the body and why it tends to kind of take over within the body um, and how you have to address it briefly. This is not going to be a deep dive into mold, but um, just have had a couple of questions on it recently and wanted to do it in a little mashup. Um, So mold is different than gut bacteria. Gut bacteria, we've talked about you use eradicators. There are killer agents per se uh, to get rid of them, that gut bacteria or wherever, you know, viruses, parasites, whatever it might be. Mold is actually similar to cancer um, to where it, it cannot be killed off. You the body has to eat it out. So it has to basically be detoxed out of the body. Um, and you have to do that potentially through autophagy work. Um, There's a reason that certain bodies are more susceptible to mold than others. Like me. Yep. And all of us have mold in our body to some extent. Mm -hmm. If you were to run a mold or a mold uh, test on yourself, you probably have some levels of mold in the body. That is almost everyone. Yeah. It it comes down to, I mean, what we've talked about with other practitioners on the podcast too, and and, um, Brandon from Mold Solutions. Yep. You know, understanding there's different types of molds, ones that are a little bit more serious than others, and then the level of toxicity, yeah. right? And everything else that's going on in terms, you know, of symptoms too. Like I had a mold report. I talked about this, oh God, it's probably been a year and a half ago, maybe. Um, and I freaked out. Okay, it's gotta be my boobs and everything came to my boobs, right? Because then I started reading all of these things and the practitioner I was working with at that time was, you know, just giving me the information that the mold that I do have is tied to implants. Yep. Okay. But then the question became working with another mentor. Why is this allowed to overgrow? Why is the immune system not cleaning it up? And I still need to have my boobs either explanted or replaced with a full capsulectomy either way, no matter what route I go, I'm going to have the capsulectomy because that is where a lot of the bacteria harbor mm-hmm. uh, around any type of implant, hip yep. implant, knee implant, 
plant, whatever it is, um, or replacement or whatever. So thinking about that test and then the genetic test that I did completely shut down to my autophagy genes. No wonder I had candida, giardia, H. pylori, mold all show up because my body wasn't able to clean these things up, even though, you know, I didn't have a ton of crazy symptoms. A lot of people have a lot of neurological symptoms. And that was one of my biggest concerns, especially with my mom passing of ALS. One of the molds that I had high on that test was more neurological um, impact. So there's a lot of things that you can do though to support your body, right? Ask the questions of, you know, what what are your ketones? Are you getting into autophagy? Can you do fasting protocols? What are your genetics? Are you supporting methylation, sulfation, liver detoxification, all of those pathways to help your body eliminate mold or other toxins, mycotoxins, because there's thousands of them and you can't test for all of them. Yeah, absolutely. And so what we typically recommend is you can look into binders, obviously, things like activated charcoal, carboxy um, from Cellcore is a good one, uh, sometimes nasal sprays, so like Argentin nasal spray, um, Obviously, working the gut, working the immune system, making sure you're eating an anti-inflammatory diet. Um, you know, looking into are there ways to put air purifiers in your home, or what is your toxicity exposure outside of that mold? You know, um, skincare, hair care, things like that. Uh, all of those can obviously support your body managing the mold better. But at the end of the day, it comes down to is your body able to detox? And what we do with clients to see if that's something that's capable, possible. We look at blood sugars and we look at ketones. Um, It's one of the easiest, most effective ways to measure if your body is able to utilize fat as an energy source, because when it can use fat as an energy source and you can produce ketones, we know that the body can then detox because that fat burning pathway is the detoxification pathway. It's your AMPK energy pathway, meaning that is where breakdown happens. That's where cleaning of cells happens. Um, So that's how we usually look into it. But um, for example, I have a client that has been through many protocols, hasn't seen the types of progress that we should expect to see, uh, got tested for mold, has high levels of mold, got the house tested, got the house remediated, um, finally got a genetics test on her and her detoxification genetic abilities are some of the worst I've ever seen. And it makes sense now why her body is unable to clean itself and And, why she has dealt with all the things that she has dealt with. Yeah, And And no matter what it is that it needs to clean up, she needs those abilities, which is why I love the genetics test. Yeah. It it gave us, so for her instance, we are now going the route of pharmaceuticals because it will not happen on its own. Rapamycin? We're using rapamycin. Yeah. We might use a little bit of semaglutide um, because she's also very weight loss resistant. She's And she is an adherent client. She's a great client. Um, and the genetics test finally gave answers, to be honest. It gave her why her body is not doing what it should be doing. And kind of just like a justification, you know, I think a lot of us search for that, for why things aren't working, how would they, we would want them to work. Um, and now there's, there's a solution, right. And a path forward. So um, just a little bit to understand about mold and how it kind of works within the body and how it's not just something that you can take like a supplement and kill off. Uh, it, it really does come down to the body being able to clear it uh, on its own through its mechanism. So the last thing that we wanted to talk about is sleep. Uh, I actually had someone reach out to me this week around cherry juice and a, and a nighttime cocktail. Um, 
So we're going to give you guys some sleep hacks, some mm-hmm. easy, natural things that you can do, not supplements, um, that you can, you know, utilize if you are someone that struggles with sleep. Yeah. I think this is like a trending topic right now yeah. on Instagram, but there is definitely some truth to um, how some foods and drinks can support melatonin production in the body. It can help support blood sugar, lowering um, cortisol and things like that. So there are foods that are high in melatonin. One of them is pistachios. If you can eat those, I love pistachios. My husband's allergic, so we can't ever have them, but it's all right. Pistachios are great. Um, you could use things like sleepy time tea. I really like the rise hot cocoa. It's got L-theanine, melatonin, some other good things in there, but tart cherry juice is trending. I have a reel coming out about this uh, because it's been such a hot uh, topic. So there's two things that you can do. Tart cherry juice, you could just take a couple tablespoons of that if you wanted to at night, or you can use a mocktail. For me, using tart cherry juice, like concentrate, I wouldn't get concentrate. I would try to get just 100% if you can, but you might only be able to find it in concentrate form. It's kind of like pomegranate juice, hard to find. Yeah. But uh, that will contribute to increased melatonin production, promoting better sleep. It's also anti-inflammatory and high in antioxidants. So you could do like a quarter to a half a cup of tart cherry juice mixed with water. One quarter cup water if you want some bubbly, some fun stuff in there. You could do like Olipop, Poppy, sparkling water, or you could just dilute it with plain water. Otherwise, four to six ounces or four to six tablespoons of that just by itself, depending upon how you like the potency, mm-hmm. could also help. Yeah. There's also th- other things that have been shown with tart cherry juice, like improving muscle recovery because it has high in antioxidants, reducing pain, um, reducing blood pressure, improving memory and brain health, cancer prevention even, um, because its ability to, you know, support as an antioxidant, it's a strong antioxidant. And melatonin is also a very strong antioxidant. It's one of the strongest antioxidants within the body and it's created in the gut. So if you aren't sleeping well, maybe you should look to the gut because that's where melatonin is produced. So just something to consider. And melatonin also works against, or I shouldn't say against, um, opposite of cortisol. Mm -hmm. So if you have really, really depleted cortisol, you're probably also going to have really depleted melatonin uh, and vice versa. And high melatonin is not necessarily a good thing either. So just some things to consider. But if you are struggling with sleep, try going with some simple, gentle things first. Obviously, make sure your room is dark. Make sure it's cool in your room, not being exposed to blue light at night. Um, You know, I find reading at night helps me a lot, just kind of get sleepier. I could fall asleep anywhere. I fall asleep on the couch all the time with art. Yeah, I don't. (laughs) See, I I definitely am the type that like, I don't want to fall asleep on the couch because I literally feel physical pain when I have to get up (laughs) off of a comfy place where I'm sleeping and go to another comfy place to sleep. It makes me so sad that I can't, I'd like... Nick sees me and I'm like curled up and I'm, he's like, what's wrong? I'm like, I just don't want to move. I'm so, I just want to keep sleeping. And he's like, well, just sleep down here tonight. And like, no, that's not comfortable. I, <laughs> so see, we, we cuddle on the couch. So then I'm just like cozy and I know, whatever. obviously, unless like last night, um, we've been watching Reacher. I love Such Reacher. a good show. It is a good show. So I stay, stay up for that. If it's a really good show, I'll stay up for that. But, you know, I love my castor oil pack. That helps me a lot personally. Yep. I know some people don't do great with that. Um, another thing you could do is a teaspoon of honey with a pinch of sea salt. Um, this is more for like adrenals 30 minutes before bed. That can help lower cortisol, replace glucose stores um, that are can be depleted yep. depending upon the state, metabolic state. Uh, but it can be depleted of chronic, you know, from chronic stress. And then you're basically taking these 
blood sugar roller coaster slash cortisol roller coaster um, through yeah. the night waking you up. And I think it's important to remember too that 1 to 3 a.m. time, that's a lot of liver stuff going yep. on. So if you're waking up around that time, you want to be thinking about how can I better support proper detoxification? Mm-hmm. Because it's not normal to wake up every night between yeah. 1, 4, you know, a.m., nope. 1, 3 a.m., 4 a.m., whatever. But when you get that surge in hormones or your immune system is activated, it's in overdrive because it's working harder to have to detoxify. Yep. That also creates cortisol, um, which wakes you up. Yep. Yeah, so. we see a lot of times, I see more low cortisol cause wake-ups mm-hmm. because it brings on noradrenaline mm-hmm. and that is much more potent than cortisol. And so it tends to wake people up a lot. Um, it's hard to know, right? It is. Like you don't have anything monitoring you overnight to say, if this is the liver, is this blood sugar? Right. Is this right? I mean, sometimes people will wear blood sugar monitors, the continuous yeah. glucose monitors, but then I always find they're going off in the middle of the night because you're yes. sleeping on that arm. Yes. I just don't, I, I don't just, know. Yeah. I'm, I don't find them as accurate as the finger pricker. Um, so hopefully some of these tips can help you you know, maybe just be more informed, take some actions forward, um, or just, you know, fill your brain with more facts. So hopefully today was maybe, you know, somebody right. Yeah. Who's struggling with SIBO or potential mold exposure. That's one thing I do want to just quickly touch on because we forgot to touch on that. How would you maybe know or identify that mold could be the issue? I was actually just having this conversation with a client a few weeks ago because I'm like, has anything changed in your environment? Do you feel better or worse in certain environments? She nailed it down. She's like, it's funny you asked me that because I've been telling my husband this past week, I think that it's mold in our home that we moved into because since then she's had a lot of chronic sinus stuff going on. Yeah. Um, And she does feel better in other environments. Conversely, hotels are... typically moldy. Um, and so if you travel and you stay in a hotel and you feel that way, that might, you know, just be an indicator that you're reacting to that. Like I'm very allergic to mold. Like I can smell it if I go into a place like musty things and then I'm itchy, sneezy, watering eyes. So it was quite interesting for me to see that test, but not have a lot of the symptoms. Right. Mm -hmm. So very interesting, interesting there. And, you know, just yesterday we recorded, um, a second interview with Brandon Faust from mold solutions. So we'd be excited to have that out for you guys next week. And we'll be talking a little bit more on mold. So if you know somebody who's struggling with any of these things, mold infection, potentially SIBO, methane SIBO or sleep, don't forget to share the show, rate, review, subscribe, and we'll be back on Friday. Put a smile on your face. Never let them take your joy away. Let the sunshine make your day. Take your hand of your love. Wanna dance the night away. Hook it away and escape on a vacay. Life's a marathon, not a relay. It's up to you to do what you love to do. Let no one stop you.